field crest towards Clanton. Um, turn around. I was driving down Clanton. I'm turning around and see if I can find him again. This is at Columbus, subject to 1074, electronic out of nowhere. NCJA 1014. Different. 101, happy to that. Take quarters to 11, 1205. NCJA 1014. NCJA 1014, a podcast designed to provide training and information to law enforcement in North Carolina. I'm your host, Kirk Puckett, and truly excited today to bring you information about a national initiative that has just taken off, particularly in Alamance County. I have with me today Gary Ander, who is a mental health professional who has retired but has been brought back with his levels of expertise to help the Stepping Up initiative in Alamance County, and also Sergeant Josh Hayes, who is a veteran law enforcement officer with the Alamance County Sheriff's Office. Gary, I'd like to start with you and talk about the Stepping Up initiative for some of our listeners that may not be familiar with it. While it is a national initiative, it really hasn't taken off in every county across or every state across our nation and certainly not every county in North Carolina. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the Stepping Up initiative and if you can then kind of bring it down to Alamance County and how you guys are involved with it. Thanks, Kirk. It's a pleasure to be here. And I do want to say that um, across America, there are over uh, 500 counties now that have done resolutions to support the Stepping Up Initiative. And specifically in North Carolina, there are almost 50 counties now who have um, resolved to support Stepping Up. Stepping Up is is a national initiative because we've recognized that across the country, the largest holding residential areas for people with mental illness and or mental illness with a comorbid uh, substance use disorder uh, are jails. Um, And we recognize that jails are not the best places for folks with mental illness and co-occurring substance abuse disorders to actually get help. Because we've had such a large number of folks uh, in these in these centers, uh, there's been a real push across the country to try to figure out how we keep people with mental illness from going to jail in the first place and trying to figure out how we get them out of jail as quickly as possible connect the services, and keep them from coming back to jail. So those, in, in, a, in a nutshell, the idea about stepping up is to try to reduce the mental health population um, that is currently residing in jails, and to get them connected to services, and to keep them out of jail. That's in a nutshell, Kurt. So in Alamance County, obviously, as you say, a resolution was signed. So I'm guessing that it took a lot of players to come to the table. This is not just something that the sheriff's office decided, well, we need to find a way that, to divert people with mental illness out of our jails. Talk a little bit about how this thing got off the ground in Alamance County and who some of the players were to, to really make it happen. 
So like any initiative that really um, gets legs, uh, we've had a terrific leadership team in Alamance County that came together um, after a national uh, conference in D.C. on uh, this initiative to uh, bring uh, leaders, including uh, the Alamance County Sheriff, um, our county manager, um, uh, police chiefs, uh, the social services director, the health department director, and a myriad of, of other folks who are really interested in this topic to, um, to bring focus to this issue uh, to support giving it uh, you know, direction, um, funding, um, um, tools to really bring it to the uh, public um, attention about how serious and important this topic is. <clears throat> the leadership team uh, then actually established uh, a couple of positions at the Sheriff's Department. And uh, this is really important because one of these positions is, is my own as, <laughs> as a stepping up uh, coordinator. <clears throat> and in many counties across North Carolina, um, the the strategy has not uh, picked up as much as we have in Alamance, specifically because they don't have full-time people dedicated to the work. So myself and my coworker, I mean, we get up every morning uh, thinking about what we can do to advance the work of, of the Stepping Up initiative. And I think that that is in part is what it takes to really make this thing take off. So I guess when these players came to the table, you you think about how these individual entities are touched. So I'm guessing certainly from the sheriff's perspective, we're trying to keep people with mental illness out of our jails. But from the hospital's perspective, we're trying to keep folks with mental illness out of our emergency departments. From the judicial system, we're trying to keep folks out of our courtrooms and clogging up our court dockets. So I'm guessing all these folks, uh, I guess to use that old term, stakeholders in the game, were probably pretty anxious to come to the table to, to at least have this discussion. And this thing has been going on for how long now? Almost three years. And it seems to have grown more legs, as you were saying earlier on. Yeah, we're, we're at almost four years now. So um, I think you have said that right. Um, when I think about uh, these issues that um, create, we might say, pain for particular folks, um, including the sheriff and uh, that the healthcare community and the criminal justice system, um, it's um, they really support it because it reduces um, their pain relative to working uh, with this population, which clearly, you know, folks in detention haven't been well-trained to work with folks with uh, mental illness or co-occurring substance abuse disorders. So um, being able to, one, give them better tools, and two, uh, to divert those folks from ever coming into the criminal justice system in the first place is important for that entire uh, criminal justice and healthcare system in Alamance. Sergeant Hayes, I'd like to talk to you about the ground level. So obviously there's some support backstage, but this thing really begins out on the streets. And I know how you guys are doing it in Alamance County has really changed from the way it was when I used to be a cop. You know, we would always get those calls of somebody's acting out 
you suspect something might be going on or family members having issues with someone, next thing you know, it's involuntary commitment time. So we would pick up those papers, we would go uh, take that person, take them to the hospital, and then we were pretty much out of it. Uh, I believe from what I'm understanding is that whole system has changed, and it has started with training the guys out on the front line to at least recognize mental health issues. So if you will, just kind of do like Gary did and just kind of walk through that process, beginning with um, recognition, follow-up services, all the things that you guys are involved with now, which is just really exciting stuff. So as Gary referred to the the leadership group that kind of started, kicked all this off, they identified the crisis intervention training that was already being provided by Cardinal Innovations, and they identified that one of the, not necessarily a weakness, but an area for improvement was that there was not necessarily, there was a lack of law enforcement buy-in. So there was a steering committee that was created that is co-chaired by myself and the assistant chief of the Gibsonville Police Department, and we uh, have our hands in the crisis intervention training along with Cardinal Innovations. So there is some, some more law enforcement involvement. We, uh, all those folks at the leadership table made a commitment to get the majority of their frontline officers trained in the, the crisis intervention training, which is 40 hours. It's de-escalation. It's recognition of signs and symptoms of common mental illnesses and substance use disorders. Uh, we train officers on what what uh, resources are available, when is the proper time to take someone to Alamance Regional Medical Center as opposed to our, our walk-in crisis center. Just uh, increased level of awareness of what resources are available. As far as what it looks like at the sheriff's office with myself and my coworker, my partner, we are every day coming to work with a focus on decriminalizing as you, as you referred to, the involuntary commitment process, anything having to do with mental health or substance use disorder, our goal is to, to decriminalize and de-traumatize those, those processes. So in the past, someone who, a family member, took out involuntary commitment papers, uniformed officers and marked cars went out. People were basically treated the same way that we treat arrestees when they're being arrested for a criminal process. And since April of 2018, the inception of the, the program or the, 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 the small unit that I'm a part of, we dress in plain clothes, we drive unmarked cars, we uh, do everything uh, we can do in our power to treat people with dignity and respect and also try to offer them some anonymity. So, you know, everybody in the neighborhood doesn't know that they call the police because they need help sorting something out. So at a sheriff's office, the, the second prong of that is uh, when you do have to bring someone to the sheriff's office, or to the detention center, I guess is where I'm headed with this, was there training provided to the detention officers as well to help them deal with folks like this? Uh, so is there a screening process, I guess is where I'm headed. There has always been a, a medical screening process that screened for uh, mental illness. Since the inception of Stepping Up and as the crisis intervention training has evolved, 
we have trained all of our detention officers in, the, in an eight-hour basic mental health first aid class. Uh, for about the last two years, we have been steadily sending detention officers to the 40-hour crisis intervention training and have seen a, a successful implementation of that program. I believe as of our last training, we had someone on every platoon in the detention center trained in crisis intervention, and we are steadily and regularly receiving referrals from those individuals uh, for to, to do assessments on inmates in the jail, and they are communicating with the, the clinical social work staff in the jail about concerns about certain inmates as well. Okay, so earlier Gary mentioned the words co-occurring. Um, obviously, when you, when you think about mental illness, you don't always think about drug use being associated with it. Uh, a word that most law enforcement guys are familiar with that in, certainly in North Carolina and growing more and more across our country is Narcan or Noxalone. So is that the trigger for you guys out on the front lines now? If, if you go to a call where there's an accidental or purposeful overdose and Narcan is administered, does, does that trigger a flag for you and your team? Or how, how does that come about? How, does, how do you get into that co-occurring piece? So medically speaking, if you ask any, any doctor or any mental health professional, they will tell you that almost everyone who has a mental illness, uh, also their, their chances of having a co-occurring substance use disorder those chances go up, and, and vice versa. Substance use disorder, uh, f- folks who live with substance use disorder frequently and often have a co-occurring mental illness. So when we go out and we know that Narcan has been administered, some of the things that we want to know was, was this an intentional overdose? And when I say intentional, did this person ingest opiates with the intention of ending their life? Or did this person was this person just released from jail or prison after a long period of time? Did they go right back to using the same amount of opiate that they were using 14 months ago, and now their body's tolerance is, is not the same, which is, is the longer someone has been in recovery, the higher their chances of fatally overdosing go up when they do relapse. So those are a lot of questions we ask. If we feel like the person is is not safe if we feel like there's a chance that that dose of naloxone or narcan as it's commonly called uh, is just reversed the symptoms of the the overdose there's also a very high chance that the once the naloxone wears off the reversal agent wears off that the person could go back into respiratory arrest or overdose so sometimes depending on the circumstances if they're refusing medical treatment, that scenario could lead to an involuntary commitment process being initiated. Gary, I want to come back to you for just a moment because of uh, a term that I heard Sergeant Hayes use that you usually don't hear associated with a detention center, which is clinical social worker. There are not many of those, and I'm assuming that as a result of stepping up, coming to Alamance County, a clinical social worker now being in the detention center is part of this whole process. Yeah, we, we thought that this was really important um, to uh, make sure that the folks that were not diverted 
um, like Josh and his team is doing uh, now in Alamance County, but who ended up actually coming, still coming in uh, to the to the detention center, uh, were actually <clears throat> assessed, evaluated, um, and treatment continued or begun. So when I think about treatment, I think a lot of that is about medications, um, getting psychotropic medication to deal with uh, whatever their mental health issue is. Um, So one of the big things I think that we did in Alamance was actually had the sheriff hire a social worker to work, work in the jail to actually do that work. And not only do that work, but very importantly, to also, as um, these generally low-level misdemeanor um, offenders uh, were getting discharged or released, that there was actually discharge, kind of reentry kind of plans for them so that they would be connected to services and hopefully they would get engaged with services in the community and we, that would reduce their recidivism. The social worker, though, is a really important um, cog now in our behavioral health team um, in, the, in the detention center. Well, again, I'm going to drift back to, to my years as a street cop. And, and 100 years ago, we, we played this same record over and over again where we would encounter an individual who was, who was just, for lack of a better term, acting out. And I know that's not very clinical, but, but that's what they were doing. Our choices were so limited. Um, Second-degree trespass seemed to be one of the common charges because the store owner just wanted them away, and, and we wanted them away. And that's how we de-escalated the, the situation. But then we end up putting them in the detention center where they're still acting up because of just what you were talking about. There's another issue that's going on and we didn't really know how to deal with that. So 10 to 15 days later, after they make bail or they've been to trial and the judge dismisses because they've served however many days in jail that they've served, and, and we go do this again. And I'm guessing that a real important part of stepping up in Alamance County is to not have situations like that continuing to occur. That's correct, Kurt. You know, <clears throat> so... If those folks end up in jail and are not diverted, um, like Josh is doing out in the field now uh, with the with the crisis response team, if they come in, we are able to uh, again evaluate, screen, um, and assess their need for mental health and or uh, substance abuse uh, treatment, and <clears throat> provide in jail, you know, the medication that either they were on or think that um, they have a need for. And then upon discharge, we make sure that they get connected to services in the community, to mental health services in the community, to substance abuse services in the community, and to other supportive services in the community um, that can help them uh, increase their chances of actually engaging in services and um, creating opportunities uh, for them to stabilize and not come back into that criminal justice system. All right. So I want to break this thing down just a little bit more. We talked, we touched on it earlier. 
What are the advantages of having a program like this in, in the different systems? I want to start first with the judicial system. What, what does stepping up bring to the judicial system that did not exist prior to it coming to Alamance County? Well, specifically, I mean, the, the benefit to the judicial system is keeping these folks out of the judicial system in the, in the first place. Um, so reducing time um, by that entire system, including, you know, the DA's office and the, and the judiciary and probation, et cetera. Um, one of the things that we've been able to put into place uh, as well is to um, we've created a, a pretrial uh, case manager um, that when folks who don't get diverted, who ended up coming into the, into the uh, detention center, and we've screened them and they have a, a uh, mental illness and or a mental illness and a substance abuse disorder, um, <clears throat> the pretrial case manager is able to work with the DA's office and the judge, get them before a judge quickly, um, and have their bond reduced possibly, um, have them release with conditions that they engage in, in services, uh, mental health, substance abuse services um, in the community uh, prior to their hearing date. We know that that's a great thing, Kirk, because right now he's averaging those folks at about 1.8 days in jail. So they're getting out quickly. We know people with mental illness in jail can decompensate. Um, they spend a lot of time there. They can lose housing. They can lose employment. So we think that that's really an important thing. And because there are conditions there, um, those folks will end up um, coming back for their court dates and being engaged in treatment services. Well, and, and, and too, uh, again, drifting back to my days, I always thought it was uh, – almost ridiculous for a guy to serve 30 days in jail for second-degree trespass because he couldn't make a $500 bond. Right. So it sounds like what you guys are doing are, are kind of intervention in a broad sense of the word to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, in, indeed. We're also broadening that because, um, because of <clears> – <throat> exactly this bail issue that you've talked about. Um, we're working now with with a, a committee uh, led by the chief uh, superior court judge in Alamance, um, and they're looking at our bail bond policy. And they are redoing that policy um, even as we speak. Uh, and that's an important issue, I think, because this is not just an issue about mental health and substance use, but it's a it's a it's really a social justice issue um, that you know these folks really don't need to be in jail. It's not helpful for them. It's not helpful for the system. So, if we can help in many aspects uh, to keep them out, um, we want to do that. Okay, so the other prong I want to discuss is what does it bring to the table for your health care system? So the emergency department, Josh uh, alluded to earlier, it's, it's Alamance Regional Medical Center in Alamance County. What does this diversion, what does this process mean for them? Well, what we know um, is that because of the work of, of Josh's team um, and because of the work and like for – 
Burlington is part of Alamance County, and Burlington has a co-responder program in which they have um, paired a clinical social worker um, with a, um, an officer, and they go out on mental health calls, and they are, again, working uh, to assess in the field and divert in the field. And because of what the work that they're doing, um, along with their follow-up work, they're keeping folks um, from being involuntarily committed um, to the hospital. It's reducing the time that officers have to spend uh, with folks uh, that they arrest or take for IVC um, to the hospital. And it's clearing out a lot of their emergency room of, of their behavioral health um, clients. Sergeant Hayes, I want to turn this kind of a segue from what Gary was talking about over to the law enforcement standpoint. If, if we're not clogging up the ED, I'm guessing the work that you and your partner are doing is kind of freeing up some patrol division time more than less. So let's, let's talk about um, what, a, what a typical call might be for you. So we don't respond to other calls for service. We uh, are strictly limited to mental health and calls involving substance use, calls for a families in crisis. And through our uh, mobile computers and our, and our vehicles, we're able to, to pull up call notes and pull up history. And for lack of a better word, we wind up self-dispatching on a lot of calls based on our knowledge of the call history at that address or the people who live at that address and uh, their, their backgrounds. So we go out. Uh, for instance, you used the great example of the, se the second-degree trespassing, the guy who's pacing back and forth in front of Dollar General talking to himself and scaring people. So 911 gets called, and uh, like we would have done uh, earlier in my career or in your career, the, the quickest and fastest and most in a hurry thing we could do to clear that call is hook that guy up for second-degree trespassing, drop him off at the jail, He's somebody else's problem. What we do on our team is we try to peel back a couple layers and dig a little bit deeper and find out what's, what's going on. Is this person homeless? Is this person mentally ill? Is, is this just, is, can this be resolved just by giving this person a ride to uh, their residence? Or are they, did they come from a group home? What's the most simple resolution? And we have the time to do that because we're not responding to calls for service where there's no pressure on us to clear and go to the next call so we can find the most appropriate and the best resolution to two situations like that we try to exhaust all early interventions before we go to involuntary commitment so we involve the individual or the consumer that we're dealing with we involve them in the decision making process and sometimes that's as simple as explaining to them that due to whatever, ha whatever has occurred, uh, we feel like there is a need for them to be evaluated and giving them the option of, hey, you know, your family member is talking about seeking IVC papers, but what if you just jumped in the front seat of my car and, and I took you to be evaluated? So we use the term stakeholders is the, the, the folks who are living with mental illness or living with substance use disorder, 
their stakeholders too, and involving them in that decision-making process, I have found to, uh, has, has been successful. And then we come back on the back end a week later, 10 days later, and follow up. Anybody that's ever been to the emergency room for an acute medical condition, uh, the emergency room physician attends to that acute condition and usually says, hey, you need to follow up with a cardiologist or you need to follow up with a neurologist or you need to follow up with your primary care physician. And I think the majority of us um, would be lying if we said that we actually did that. And there's no different with there's no difference in in mental health and and substance use. Uh, most of those trips to the emergency room or to our crisis center, there there are follow up instructions. So we actually go out and go to our uh, population and follow up with them. We assist them with their follow up appointments if they need it to try to remove a lot of those barriers to services and treatment. Which is um, way yonder different than it was done when I started my career, and, and probably even for yours too. Even Correct. Though I've got a few more miles on my odometer than you do. Um, let's talk a little bit about the successes. I mean, we've talked about the the building blocks, but take take a little time and talk about the successes. So we know from Alamance Regional Medical Center, we know that they are treating less people in the emergency department for opiate overdose-related symptoms. We know that they are seeing less patients in their emergency department for voluntary and involuntary commitments. On a a personal level, when, and as you know, because because you were at the sheriff's department when I we began this team, uh, this was an assignment that uh, that interested me. But on a on a personal level, contrary to what most people believe, everything that comes out of my mouth doesn't sound intelligent. But one of the things that I say to a lot of officers is, everybody you deal with is somebody, somebody. And I think that once we can get all of our law enforcement officers from the youngest, most inexperienced to the, to the most jaded, oldest guy out there to realize that we can't paint everybody with the same broad brush and that no matter how mentally ill someone is or, or how long they've struggled with addiction, there's still somebody somewhere that loves them. And there's, there's still a, a father or a brother or a mother, and, and that's just something that I, I, I have to remind myself, but I also remind my coworkers, is that everybody out there has got somebody somewhere that cares about them. You sound like a believer. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I want to turn back to you for just a moment because we're kind of approaching this thing where we could wind down. I feel like I could do this with you guys all day long, but uh, there are some futuristic plans for Alamance County as well. And I know this, as you said earlier, this process has been going on now, going into its fourth year. So what happens next? What are, what are the, where do you go from here? What's the big plan ahead in Alamance County? Well, you know, Josh talked about uh, the work that we've been doing for four years on uh, training officers in uh, crisis intervention training. You know, we are now over 200 folks since uh, 2016, officers who have been trained in crisis intervention training. We have uh, 20 EMS um, 
responders who have uh, been trained in that, as well as uh, 20 command training. So that's captain and above. So we think it's really important for those administrators who are supervising folks that have been trained in CIT to be able to support um, their their work. So we have trained over 800 people in the community, including folks in the criminal justice system and mental health first aid, so that they understand mental health issues, uh, empathize uh, with folks with with mental illness. The education piece has really uh, been a big deal. But our ultimate goal, Kirk, right now is to establish a 24-7 Uh, Diversion and Restoration Center in Alamance County. This is basically kind of a law enforcement um, driven uh, plan to be able to establish a crisis center that, again, is open 24-7 that law enforcement, EMS, and families can take folks to that is not the hospital, that we can have them there for periods of time up to 24 hours to do crisis stabilization, hopefully get things under control, send them home with an appointment the next day uh, for crisis services so that we do not have to uh, involuntarily commit folks to the hospital. Uh, We think that that's a a really big deal and, and again, gives law enforcement, EMS, another big tool in their tool belt. So we don't have to arrest folks and we don't have to we don't have to IVC them to the to the hospital. Well, and, and that just kind of ties up everything that we talked about earlier. What you're doing is you're taking a burden off the judicial system by not arresting these folks. You're taking a burden off the emergency department by not taking out IVC papers. And at the same time, it sounds like you're going to be able to at least intervene in uh, a broader scope of problems. So it's not just mental illness, but it may also be drug and alcohol related as well. Right. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of other support uh, programs that folks need that create that stress in their lives that that lead them down that road um, that increases their chances for um, psychotic episodes, um, that increases their chances, as Josh talked about, um, to, to use substances, to self-medicate. Um, and so whatever we can do in the community to help those folks um, stay out of the criminal justice system, stay out of the emergency room, um, we think that that's our goal. Well, the Stepping Up Initiative is a nationwide program, but it sounds like you guys in Alamance County have just taken some huge steps. So congratulations on the work that has been done. And certainly, I think the eyes and ears of North Carolina and probably the the nation as well are going to be looking at Alamance County the way that they've looked at some of the other programs like Bear County, Texas, kind of comes to mind right away. Um, You guys have just done great work and you are to be commended for what you've done. 
We've been talking with Gary Ander, who is a retired mental health professional and currently one of the co-coordinators of the Stepping Up Initiative in Alamance County, and also Sergeant Josh Hayes, who is a member of the mental health team from the law enforcement side at the Alamance County Sheriff's Office. Our discussion today has been centered around the Stepping Up Initiative that is focused in Alamance County. And if you have any calls or concerns or just want more information, I think both of these guys would be more than happy to uh, field a phone call or an email you can look them up on the Alamance County homepage, specifically at the Alamance County uh, Sheriff's Office, or through the Stepping Up homepage that is part of Alamance County's website as well. Again, guys, thank you very much for being here and, and sharing the information that you have with us. The next time you're on one of our campuses, please stop by the North Carolina Justice Academy Bookstore. There you can find books, T-shirts, collectible coins, and much more. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you have any questions that you would like answered, please contact us. Send any questions or topics you would like to hear discussed to ncjainformation at ncdoj.gov. We're here for you.